<laughs> Some of you prepare like that, and that's fine if you're putting away groceries and things like that. And, and although it may seem funny, some people actually think in this kind of way. In other words, we're so focused on the return of Jesus that we forget to enjoy his presence today. And we can be so one-track-minded that we forget about the relationships around us and who God has created us to be as well as the assignment that he has given to each and every person. Now, the Bible actually says that Jesus will come back one day. And we see signs like that. We see Jesus coming soon. Uh, we hear people talking about it. People may have spoken to you about it. You may be thinking about it that when is Jesus coming back? Now, you have two extremes. You have one on one side that will do everything possible to be ready in the sense of a tangible thing, to have food ready and things prepared and stored away. And then you have other people who are on the other extreme and says, ah, who cares? doesn't matter. When it comes, it comes. And so what we want to do is bring a good balance to living today, but being mindful of the future. We're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 13, and if you have your uh, Bible, you can turn there. If not, we have our bulletin where you can take out the notes, and it'll help you to follow along, or if you want to check out the church app, then you can uh, open that up too. And we're going to be in the, in the book of Mark, and Mark is in the, in the New Testament, and this is when the disciples are asking Jesus about what's going to happen, and what is it going to look like? What are the end days going to look like? And in fact, they were describing the buildings that were around them. And they were saying, look at all these buildings, Lord. Look at all this. And then Jesus says something so unorthodox. And he says in Mark chapter 13, he, he gives this little, kind of like the picture of, listen, let's not look at what's happening as far as the buildings because there's something so much greater that's going to take place. And so as they're looking at the buildings and saying how beautiful the buildings are, Jesus kind of brings them back to ground zero again, almost like to say, you need to focus on the right things, not just the tangible and what's happening around you. So in Mark chapter 13, in verse 1, Jesus is addressing his disciples, and he tells, he tells his disciples, listen, do you see these great buildings? In, in verse 2, he says, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. In other words, Jesus is saying, the things that we see is not even going to be here in the future. One day, it'll all be gone. And so Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked Jesus privately. So they kind of had some alone time with Jesus. And in verse 4, they say, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled. In other words, they're saying, Jesus, like, give us a hint. What do we need to look for and what do we need to prepare for so that we're not caught off guard? And before Jesus even answers their question, he tells them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars, rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom will rise against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. So think about the world we live in. Are there earthquakes? Is there famine? Are there wars? Rumors of wars? Absolutely. So he says, 
You don't need to be alarmed. These things must take place. In other words, Jesus is saying, yes, all of this is going to take place. The reason why you don't need to be alarmed is because I'm bigger than that. I am still the king, and God is still in control. And when it looks like the world is out of control, it's a reminder to us who is in control. But sometimes what happens is we want to have our control over the things that take place. And so what mankind does is mankind starts to create their own small g, God, so that they can control that to make them feel better. See, God doesn't necessarily look at us wanting to feel better. He wants us to know what is best for us. And although the world is how we see it, he's saying this is not your resting place. This is not your home You're just passing through. The Bible calls us citizens of heaven. So we live at a higher standard, at a higher calling, because we were bought at a greater price. Jesus bought us. In other words, he paid the price for our sin so that we could be with him in eternity. We're just passing through. So for us to get caught up in what's happening in the world today, we've forgotten. If we've gotten gotten caught up, we've forgotten That this is not our home. Now, it doesn't mean that we just bail out of everything and then just be a little hermit in our home and say, well, one day I'm going to go home to heaven. No, no. Jesus is saying there is a purpose for you being here because there are many who still have yet to know me as Lord and Savior. So Jesus goes through what's going to happen, what it's going to look like, and and, and what to look for and, and, and how to be mindful of what the future looks like. But then he says in verse 32, Mark chapter 13, and this is in your notes. He says, but about that day or hour, who knows? No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father. But then he says this, be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come, when that time will come. And he says, it's it's kind of like this. I want to give you an illustration, he says. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. So he's saying we need to be mindful of the future, but live for today. Keep watch on what's happening. Keep watching what's happening in our world. Just keep watch, but don't be alarmed because these things must happen. He already said these things are going to take place. And so don't be alarmed. Now, it's interesting that the Bible says that about that day, or our, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father. And some people ask, wait a minute, if Jesus was God, how could he not know? Now, we got to remember that, that Jesus, yes, being all God, was also submissive to the Father. When he was here on this earth, remember, I'm not sure if you remember this, but in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus went to the cross, he even pleaded with the Father. He said, can this cup be taken away from me? Yet not my will, but your will. So Jesus himself submits to the Father. In other words, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit 
are all operating in unity in the way they function. And so Jesus was saying to his disciples, listen, that's not for me to tell you. That's the Father's will. Because they function in unity. And then he said, I'm going to give you a power, which was the Holy Spirit, that you're going to need in this world. So even in that way, Jesus was submissive to the Father. That Jesus ascended into heaven after he died on the cross and rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, and then gave us the person of the Holy Spirit so that we could live in this world today. So that we could have the power to live the way Jesus asked us to live. See, every single person here today has an opportunity to be mindful of the future, but live for today. And I think every single one of us want to live for today. Jesus didn't want want us to be caught off guard. He didn't want us to not understand that there is an end times, that there is a a time where he is going to come back. He didn't want us to be thrown off. And so he gave us what to look for. And he says, you're going to see the things happening. You're going to be mindful. And you're going to know kind of what to look for. So that's why he gave us specific things. And he talks about this day. Now, the Bible uses that word day in so many different ways, figuratively. It also used it as illustratively, or like the day of atonement or the day of his approaching, not just a literal day or a 24-hour period. So when Jesus says, you don't know the day or the hour, in other words, he's saying, you don't know the specific day, nor will you know that specific hour. But you will know the kind of the season. But on that day, no one will know. And before Jesus even answers the disciples' questions, he actually casts vision first, equips them, and then gives them direction. Did you know that there is a tribe in the the first book of Chronicles that God addresses in chapter 12, verse 32? And he says it like this, from the tribe of Issachar. There were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. See, God is still looking for men and women of the kingdom, of those who believe in him, to understand the signs of the times. So what we're going to do is we're going to learn three clear distinctives that Jesus gave us some attitudes that he gave us as believers in living for today, but being mindful of the future. And here's the first thing. If you want to write something in, or if you're taking notes on the app, to understand the days we live in rather than being overwhelmed by them. He says, understand the times. Not be overwhelmed. He says, don't be alarmed. See, we, we live in a world today where because of this one little gadget, this phone... We hear and see everything that takes place around the world at our fingertips. And so if we're constantly on this and watching the news or scrolling through Facebook and just hearing all the negative things, you will be alarmed. And then we share these things. We share what just happened and what took place. And and nothing wrong with that because sometimes certain things do happen and we do need to pray because the Bible tells us to pray. Or we hear of something that took place and we, we, we hurt for a family and so we pray for the family. So nothing wrong with that. But the question is, what is it doing to our psyche and what is it doing to our hearts? Are we more alarmed than we should be or are we focused on the wrong things? 
And sh should we be focusing on the Lord? Now, again, mindful of the future, but living for today. In other words, we, we don't just bail out of everything and say, well, we just wait for Jesus' return. No, we're still mindful of today. We're still living for today because Jesus gave us a purpose for living. Just take the, the past 100 years, the past 100 years, what took place in our world. Just look at the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, whom he has chosen to be a representation of who he is for the entire world. He, that's, that's why he says, you are my special chosen people. You're going to represent me to the rest of the world. And if you look at the history of Israel, you're going to see God's hand throughout history. But just within the past hundred years, you're going to see his, his hand. Why? Because God has his appointed times. He has specific moments where he does specific things because he is always in control. Constantly. There is no doubt. Do a little study on the history of Israel. Just take the year 1917. 1967. That 50 year span. Just take a look at those two years and see what God did. The amazing things that He continues to do. He is constantly letting us know that He is, in, he is still in control. Even though the world looks like it's out of control, it's a reminder that God is still in control. We see terrorism, violence, financial crisis. When something happens that is so odd, that, that it captures our attention. It, it could very well be God's intervention because He knows the day and He knows the hour. I remember driving in the mainland and my wife Heidi, she does not like driving in the mainland. You have cars blazing by on the main highways because that's the speed. You know, you have to go like 90 just to break even with everyone. And I don't know what the speed limit is, maybe 65 miles an hour. But when you're on that highway, it can be pretty intimidating. And so Heidi says, how do you even drive here? And I said, it's easy. I just look at the cars around me. Because everyone is going same speed. So it looks like no one is even moving. Versus looking at all the trees going by and all the signs going by and the road. If you focus on that, yeah, it can be pretty intimidating. But I just focus on the cars around me. And if cars pass me, that's okay. I'll stay in the, in the lane that's a slow lane. I'll just let them pass me by. But I'll just, I'll just cruise it. Just let it go. I'm fine. I'm fine. Why? Because I'm not focused on everything that's blazing by. And Jesus is telling us how to understand the day, the times we are in. And he's reminding us, don't be overwhelmed by everything just blazing by and all the negative things that are happening. Stay focused on me. I'm the perfect speed, he says. Because when you're focused on me, you won't be overwhelmed. It won't be intimidating because you're, you're close to me. In John chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus answers, are there not 12 hours in the day, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Jesus was referring to a 12-hour period, which came from the Old Testament and, and the New Testament. And it was, a, it was the legacy of the Babylonian astronomy. So he's saying, listen, this is what they're saying. They're, they're talking about daylight. He's saying, listen, 
I'm the light of the world. And when you, when you look to me, you're not going to be caught off guard by everything that takes place. You're going to be able to see. And he's bringing us understanding. And he wants us to understand even further in the book of Peter. 2 Peter verses 3, verses 9 through 12. It says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and, and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. You know that very word that Peter uses, that the, the very elements will melt in the heat? In nuclear circles for the molecular structure that holds things together when, when there's a nuclear explosion, the reason why they use that word melt is because in a, in a nuclear explosion, that's what happens. Things melt because what is holding everything together because of the nuclear explosion, because of that reaction, it, it causes everything to fall apart. So it's no longer held, toge- to, held together. So it actually liquefies because of what takes place. And so when Peter says that everything will liquefy, he's actually talking about Jesus is going to no longer hold everything together. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus holds everything together. So there will come a day where we're going to go home to be with him in heaven, and we're no longer going to need this earth, and so he's not going to hold it together everything will liquefy. It'll be gone. And the Bible even tells us that. The flowers fade. But the word of God abides forever. Everything else will wither. But not his word, because he is eternal. And until that happens, we are to always understand the times we live in. Just don't be overwhelmed by it. And then the second thing is to be watchful and attentive. See, when you're watchful and attentive, it doesn't mean you're not doing anything else. You're still attentive. You're still, you're still mindful of what's taking place even today. Yeah, you're watching, but you're, you're doing something today. It, it's kind of like if, you're, if your parents left you at home and they said, you know what, we're going to go away uh, for a, a dinner and then we're going to come back at a certain hour. But while we're gone, keep watch for us but while we're gone, make sure you clean the house, do your chores, and do the, the regular things. Now, as our parents leave, we could stay at home and just stay by the window and watch and say, well, no, mom and dad say they're coming home, so we need to watch for when they come back. You're not responsible for when they come home, are you? They're responsible to come home. What is our responsibility? Yeah, we're supposed to do our chores. We're supposed to make sure we do what our parents asked us to do. Now, what did God ask us to do while we're still here on this earth? Yeah, he said to continue to make disciples of all nations. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we have an assignment. 
So if we're here on this earth and we're just waiting for his return and we're not building disciples, we're not investing in lives, we're not helping others find Christ, then what are we doing? We must be about the Father's business. And so he's saying, yeah, be watchful, be attentive. Just watch what is happening in your life. Be attentive to your family. Watch what's happening in your marriage, in your work environment. Pay attention to the things that matter. Pay attention to those around you. Be attentive. Be involved in each other's lives. I had a, a birthday party recently, and uh, part of my, my, uh, my party is I said, we are not going to have any of these out anywhere, so please put these things away. And we put it on the side. And so what did we do? We did this thing we used to do. Talk. Say that with me. Ready, go. Talk. See how easy that was. My grandson comes up to me and goes, Papa, can I go on your iPad? I said, no, we're not going to have any of these things out. What? I said, yeah. He goes, what am I going to do? I said, I'm going to show you what we used to do. Let's arm wrestle. He goes, what? I said, yeah, let's arm wrestle. So he, he was lying on the ground, and so I was teaching him how to arm wrestle. And, you know, I give him chance a little bit, you know, back and forth kind of thing, but I whoop him. I said, I ain't giving you a chance. So, and he's seven, so he got to start learning to, you know, kind of build up his own. So I did that. Then I told him, okay, sit down. And I said, guess the letters I'm drawing on your back. Remember we used to do that? See, that was the first touch pad was backs. And I, I just would draw letters on his back, and he would have to guess the letters. And then we did thumb wrestling. We just did thumb wrestling. And then you can be creative when you do thumb wrestling. You get two hands. So we, we were just being creative, and, and he was having a blast. See, when, when, Jesus, when Jesus gives us an assignment, society, even technology, can take that away. And the assignment is relationship. Nothing wrong with these things. We use the, I'm using one right now. It's not that we have them. It's how we use them and if they get in the way of relationship. For Heidi and I, date night, no phones. Why? Because it's a relationship. And so it is with Jesus Christ. He says, what, what are you mindful of? How are you living today? First Thessalonians, it says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the, light, of, of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. You know what Jesus is referring to when he says, do not make sure that none of you sleep? He's saying you got to be watchful. And he's using it as a... As a, a He's using the custom that they had when the groom and bride were engaged. They were engaged to be married. And the groom would have to get the home prepared because now there's going to be an extension of the home. So they had to build an extension of the home to get it ready for the bride. And it's kind of like in our day and age today, it's getting more and more expensive to live here in Hawaii. So... You just keep living with parents, and we just keep expanding the home. And so Jesus was referring to that where the, the, the bridegroom is getting the home prepared for the bride. And he's saying, don't fall asleep because the groom is going to come, and he's going to get his bride. And so watch, be watchful, 
so that you know when he's coming so that we can be ready for the wedding. So Jesus is using this in context. Now think about it. The Bible calls us the bride of Christ, the church. He's preparing a place for you and I. And so he says, be watchful, be ready, stay attentive. Because God the Father will tell the Son one day, okay, their mansion is ready, go get my bride. And that's us. And he's going to come and get us, and we will be with him. In John 6, 39 through 44, and this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day, for it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. Now, some of us need to read that scripture over and over. Stop complaining about what I said. Stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. You know what he's saying? He is never, ever going to give up on us. He's not going to give up on us. On the last day, even the last day, he's going to raise us up. So he says, be watchful. Keep watch and be attentive. Understand the times that we live in. And then the last thing, stay faithful in your assignment. Stay faithful in your assignment. The purpose that God created you for. What is, what is the reason you're here? Why are you here? Why did God put you on this earth? And he didn't put you on this earth and surround you with people just for any reason. There is a circle of influence that you have with the people that surround you. And because of that influence, God is going to use you to touch their lives. Now, in your bulletin, there is this invitation. And if you can take that out, if you have one, uh, take that out. If not, you can get more of these at our information center. Now, I really want to emphasize this card. This is for our Father's Day weekend service. I am, I am sure that you know some fathers or some families that don't know Jesus Christ. It could be at work. It could be a family member. Be courageous enough to invite them. Just say, I want to invite you to a Father's Day party. That there is no other place that will offer what God will offer here. You get to worship God, learn from the Bible, have a free breakfast, and enjoy the presence of God. All in one stop. Now, there are going to be some fathers who are hurting, and this is going to be the perfect day. Why? Because they're going to learn that they have a heavenly father that loves them. And so take these invitations out. Also at our information center, I want to remind you, Father's Day weekend, uh, we, we are supporting a play that Susie Chun is bringing up, or that she's putting on, and it's going to be at Kamehameha Schools. And this fa that Father's Day weekend is such a great weekend to give a father a gift, or even a family. Now, I know... I'm speaking for myself. As a man, I love watching movies and plays because I don't have to think. I can just relax and enjoy. But this play 
is called For Such a Time as This. And it's taken after the story of Esther from the Bible. Phenomenal. Beautifully written. And you're going to love being there. It's going to be four days, Friday, Saturday. Did I get that correct? Three days? Oh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Is there a Monday? No, just Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay, so that weekend. And when you go to this play, you're going to be blown away because this, this play is just done so well. And it is at a great cost. So if you want to have a great Father's Day weekend, not only do you invite a father to our services, but go treat them to a great play. And you're going to learn how much God loves you and I. Even for a non-believer, they will enjoy it. Why? Because that's God's word coming to life. See, God has put us in specific places for such a time as this to reach out to people in the hopes that they come to find him as Lord and Savior. I pray that one day we would be in heaven and we would have no regrets about not inviting someone or reaching out to them for for something as simple as a play. It's a non-threatening environment that they could learn about the love of God. So stay faithful in your assignment. Don't get so focused on just the end times that we forget about the now times that Jesus is doing something now, today. In the book of Revelation, chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, John writes this, and he says, I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And he says, they are demonic spirits that perform signs. And they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Look, I come like a thief. This is Jesus speaking now. I come like a thief. And he says this. Let's not miss this part. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. In other words, the Bible tells us, be clothed with the humility of Christ. Be clothed with him. Like, live in such a way that when people see you, you remind them of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Lest you be exposed. And when you stay awake, not driven towards just future events or running towards what sounds good, or even some people will run towards things because it's, it's, it sounds like a great revival is taking place. And sure enough, it could be. But if we're chasing after revival more than the reviver... I might want to adjust that a little bit because he's the one that revives us. Revival never takes place unless a believer or a person is revived. That's what it means, that we're revived by the Lord and he's doing something in us. Or sometimes we chase after what feels good. And Jesus is saying, stay awake. In other words, he's saying, be conscious or aware that something is taking place. Be active again, that this is the one who is blessed, those who stay awake. Otherwise, we will be shamefully exposed. In Luke chapter 17, verse 30, Jesus says, yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I've already seen it happen. I know the past, present, and future. Why? Because I'm eternal. Just think of our earth right now. If you're not on earth, 
How do you know what day you're in? Do you know how we have days and seasons? It's when the sun rotates around the earth, or is it the other way around? And the earth rotates. Is it like this? Okay. I'm not an astronomer, apparently. But if you're out of time, you have a different perspective. And God is out of time. He's eternal. So he sees everything that takes place. And so he says, there is a day when the Son of Man is revealed. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. So how do we practically live for today while being mindful of the future? 1 John 4.17 says it like this, This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. And here it is, if you want to sum up this entire day, our time together, and what we just talked about in one sentence, it is this, in this world, we are like Jesus. That's what the Bible is saying. In this world, we are like Jesus. We are like Jesus. So what do we do before, in the meantime, before Jesus comes back? Be like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Think like Jesus. Do the things that Jesus would do. Just be Jesus to people. Not super religious, not, con- not, not condemning, but being like Jesus. That's why we need to know him more and more so that we know how we need to be on this earth. That in this world, we are like Jesus to understand the days we live in rather than being overwhelmed by it. To be watchful and attentive and then to stay faithful in our assignment. Just think about your assignment. What does that look like? Your purpose for being here. Who, who did God make you to be? Now, there are the basic assignments that he has given to us. Being a father, a mother, a spouse, being a friend to someone. He's given us basic assignments, but then even to go further. Who has he called you to be? Who are you in him? Because you and I have a specific assignment from God. And one day... When he returns, he's just going to say one thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your father's home. Let's be good and faithful to who he is. Be mindful of the future, but let's live today. Amen. You put your Bibles away. I'm going to read us our last scripture, Revelation chapter 21, verse 25. And I'm going to ask Grayson to come to the keyboard. This is the hope that God gives to us with everything that takes place in this world. He says, on no day, and he's speaking of heaven, on no day will its gates ever be shut. And he says this, for there will be no night there. You know what God is saying? Yet in our world that we live in today, there is going to come a day that no one knows when Jesus is going to come back. No one knows the day, the time, the hour. No one knows. 
The Father knows, though. And there will come a day when we are going to enter into heaven and you don't need the sun for light because Jesus, the sun, is the light. God is light. In other words, we're not going to have a daylight, nighttime, daylight, nighttime. We're going to have a perpetual day. And it's the day when he comes back to get his bride. So be ready because one day he will come back. Until then, be watchful, be attentive, be mindful of the future, but let's live for today. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, you have given us an assignment and it's not just to to understand the times. It's a part of it, but you've given us an assignment today to love people, to reach out to people, to invite people into your presence, to invite people to come to know you, to connect with people, to be relational with people, to be there as as brothers and sisters for someone who is going through a, a difficult season. So help us to, yes, be mindful of the future, but live for today. That we keep watching what's happening in our family, that we're attentive, not get overwhelmed by everything that's taking place, but to know that you are always in control. And you've given us hope for the future. You know the plans that you have for us, and they're for good. So help us to remember who is in control, and that is you. I pray for every person here today, Lord, if there is anybody who has never said yes to you, and maybe they're, they're watching everything that takes place on TV and they're living in fear. I pray, Lord, that your love will cast out all fear. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know, I've never given Jesus my heart. I've never given him my life. So I don't know about these things that you're talking about. I don't, I don't know about the times and the signs and the seasons. But I do know that I need Jesus. And if that's you today, you're saying, I, I need Jesus. Could you just lift a hand real briefly and I'll pray with you. We're going to say a prayer together. And in this prayer, it's going to seal your salvation. Yeah, God sees your hand. Anybody else? You're saying, I want Jesus in my life. Yeah, God sees you too. Yeah, God sees you. Yeah, it's, it's a decision that you're making. God sees you too. You can put your hands down. And as we pray this prayer together, be mindful of what he's about to do. And if you've prayed this prayer a thousand times and you're a believer, let's once again say this again so that we can be reminded of how good God is. And here's our prayer. Repeat after me. Just include your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross. And you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. I trust you. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for giving me a future and a hope. Help me to live for today but be mindful of the future. I pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen.